1: Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, has Ukraine's perspective on Canada changed with the Nord Stream Turbine controversy? Lawyer and former Judge Mikhailo Zernikov joins us from Ukraine with that topic on our minds and an understanding of the systemic corruption in Ukraine as they continue to deal with the ongoing war with Russia. Russia is ramping up cyber attacks and Canada is on the defense of Hank the Hacker, an ethical hacker, helps us understand how hackers can help take advantage of international events and what it's like, frankly, to live and serve in that industry. Are you okay with? Airports is on the list. And what is the best way to park your car? Some fun calls and suggestions. Bit of a controversy. Do you back in or do you pull in forwards? It's all on the shift daily podcast. This is the shift podcast. I wanted to leave you with something that hopefully will motivate your day to get started at the beginning of this this Monday. If I could just imagine with me this scenario, if I could tell you that I would give you $1,440 tomorrow morning, you wake up on your Monday morning with $1,444 in your bank account. And then you go to bed. Our mentality today is that you would spend a little bit of it, try to save most of it. And that's the way we do things. But what if, you woke up Tuesday morning and you had $1,444 in your bank account again. It doesn't matter how much you save from Monday. On Tuesday, you'd spend a little bit more. Be like, mm, I'm going to test this out. You go to bed. Wednesday morning, you wake up, there's $1,440 in your bank account again. Thursday, you probably won't spend all of it, but you're probably going to try it out and spend most of it. And then Friday morning, you're going to wake up, there's $1,440 in your bank account again. You would spend it. If you could know that I could put $1,444, uh, $1,440 in your bank account every single morning when you woke up, why wouldn't you spend it? If every day you knew you were going to have it, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. If you knew that there was only 1,440 minutes in a day, you would also use them all. You wouldn't save them. You would live into them. You would create them. Everything. Every day, you have 1,440 more minutes to try to create something awesome, to try to find who you are, discover love, get a date, find your career, find your passion, everything. You wouldn't waste any of those minutes, would you? Well, you would spend all the dollars if you knew it was coming every day. And tomorrow morning, there's 1,440 more minutes to chase your passion, my friends. And I hope that is a great way for you to start this Monday. Spend all 1,440 minutes. Go get it done. This is the Shift Podcast. Over the course of the weekend this weekend, an interesting conversation came up. At shiftheads.ca, that's a a link page to our Facebook group. It was shared by Bob Yoshimaru. Bob's very active on the page, and uh, I thank you, Bob, for sharing all the funny stuff and the thoughtful stuff that Bob and many others share. And it's fun. It's one of those things. No politics, right? Earlier in the shift, I, I spoke to you about somebody who posted information that was inaccurate. And even though I actually agreed with what the person's basic premise was, We're not out to share inaccurate. So, you know, we work hard to be accurate as part of the shift head community. And sometimes we screw it up, but we clean it up when we do. And we work hard to be open and honest. And we work hard. It's funny. My favorite thing about doing the shift is I get accused one day of being a liberal. I get accused the next day of being a conservative. It's beautiful. And the because the reality is, is that I don't care who you vote for. I don't care your political stripe. I'm not here to politically change your mind. I'm here to, frankly, you know, turn up the give a shit meter is really what it is. And that's really all we're saying. And that the reality that we have is I just want everyone to care. Because when we care and when we are passionate about things, we can be accurate and confident and we can agree or disagree and we can start to learn. That's what I believe. And so at ShiftHeads.ca on the Facebook group, we get a little bit of that. It's kind of cool. We also get stupid and playful. That's also cool. And there was this one message that was posted uh, that lit up a fire of shares, and I'll tell you how many people. There's nine hundred and six likes, three hundred and six comments, and seventy eight shift heads have shared it. That's how active this community is, by the way, thousands of people. And um and this is all it is. And I have this question for you, and you need to answer it for me, please. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. I'd love to hear your calls on this, because if you have an experience of why you do or do not do this, please tell me. People who back into parking spots think they're better than everybody else. I had no idea that that was like this controversy that people were willing to get into arguments online over. Backing into parking stalls. 877-399-9898. Do you or do you not? And I know some of you drivers, professional drivers that listen, I know that's your jam. And I know that some of you security folks... That's your jam. Now, here's my confusion with this. And this was my experience just this weekend as this was unfolding online. I went to West Edmonton Mall this weekend. Went to watch a hockey game. The, Which, by the way, sidebar, the War for the Roses, which is the sort of brick tournament for girls, if you will, is a massive uh, hockey community. And the final game was Alaska versus Ontario. It's around 13-year-old girls. And it, I can tell you this, the future of women's hockey is in good shape. Holy cow, these are talented kids. Amazing hockey, fun to watch. Small sidebar. Parking at West Edmonton Wall in the parkade is often dark and cramped, like it is at most mall parkades. And as we pulled up, my son said, back in, Dad. And I was like, no, man, I can't back in. Can't do that. Can't be that guy. And he said, what do you mean that guy? So my son and I got in this really great debate. I pulled in forward. He, my son always backs into the stall. So without telling you why I don't back in, why do you back in? And should you back in to a stall? 877 Ryan O'Donnell. Now, you're not a driver. One day you aspire to be able to afford insurance. Yes. Um, and every month that insurance costs you a pair of sneakers is a month mm-hmm. that you will not drive. Mm-hmm. Backing into stalls.
2: It it is the correct way to park. Wow. It just makes it just makes more sense. Okay, so think about it this way. Okay, this is okay. my this is my logic here as someone who has been in the front seat of a car many a time when people park. My brother is one of the best parkers I have ever. Witness. My brother is an amazing driver, but his talent for parking, bar none. Here's the thing. If you back in, you can drive out. Nice and easy. If you drive in, you have to back out. Which one would you rather do? Would you rather awkwardly back out of the stall, turn around and go up? Or would you rather take a little bit of time at the front To get into the stall and then very quickly get out it's like when you park at a grocery store and there's so many open spots and you can just get in the car and drive straight and go you're good you're good to go that is the benefit of parking back first
1: from my eyes okay if you back into a stall let's talk about the basics if you back into a stall assuming that there is a car on either side and probably a car behind you that you have to be backing up close to those cars. If you back out of a stall, you're backing into a space where there are no cars close by, but the cars that are close by are typically moving. Mm -hmm. So do you park next to stationary cars? At least I hope they're stationary cars that are close, or do you back into nobody's around except for the row behind you, which you can see in the mirror, but people are walking and there are, See this is complicated, right brendan Absolutely. Kelly when you uh, when you used to drive your Volvo around did Volkswagen. you did you um were you a backup parker or a front end parker well, I think it really
3: just depended on the amount of cars around and the amount of time I had um, I would Ooh, pref- time. That's yeah. a big one I would prefer if I had all the time in the world to back in because then that makes what I think for an easier and safer pull away because mm-hmm. that perilous moment when you have cars on both sides and you're backing out you can't 100% see what's coming mm-hmm. you can't whether it's people or another car you cannot 100% see what's coming so it's better to drive out forward where you have you
1: know, more up. reaction time too Got it. So this is I feel like this is like what is there more of in the world? Wheels or doors, <laughs> right? It's kind of the same thing. So I need to know eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight, what is uh, better. Les from Hamilton says I back in for two reasons. The first is the front of my car is low, I don't want to ding it. Ooh, if there's a parking block, you could ding that bumper or your air dam or whatever. Good point. Thanks, Les. Second point from Les is it's easier to get out because I can easily see traffic. Okay. You can easily see traffic without a doubt, but then you're backing up. So why would you, why are the reasons why you back into the stalls? Let's uh, go to the phone lines here, BK. I know BK's busy there. Let's go to Ron, who's in Poco. Ron, what do you do? Before you tell me what the teaching is, tell me what you do first, and then we'll talk about the teaching next.
4: Okay, well, uh, I've always backed in. Always? Um, And uh, Yeah, and I have never, by the way, had tinted windows but okay uh,
1: well that's 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 a good point
4: yeah well that's uh one of the things is uh same reason i gardening i don't wear shades right because it wrecks your depth perception uh-huh.
1: okay. I, I, I had a hard if time wearing backup, sunglasses when backup. i was golfing uh, because that was really hard for me to wear sunglasses while i was golfing and then but at the same time once i got prescription sunglasses then it was no problem so i get what you're saying ron i feel
4: you yeah well it's just a you know, uh, plus, uh, I I usually have a lawnmower in the back of the truck. I don't want to make it an easy invite for somebody just to drop my tailgate and take my stuff.
1: <laughs> good. Okay, well, that's no, totally a good point, right? Yeah. I, I would even go the other way, though. I would say that one of the things that I was afraid of if I had something in my trunk was I wanted my trunk facing out so someone couldn't pop a screwdriver in, open my trunk, and steal things hidden behind a pickup truck in a minivan. So kind of six of one half mm, a dozen the other, right?
4: That's true. That's true.
1: So tell me about the young drivers part and some of the teachings that you've learned.
4: Okay, well, it, it it is what they do teach. Even if you live like on a busy thoroughfare, if possible, drive into your space because if you got to back out of your driveway and you say so you got a ton of shrubbery or whatever, and you're trying to drive out backwards into busy traffic, you're going to get T-boned at some point, mm-hmm.
1: especially on a busy okay. road.
4: Yeah. So uh, even if you get honking at you and whatever, it possible, possible, uh, always back into your driveway. But,
1: okay, let me ask you this about the busy traffic then, Ron. If you're going to drive into your driveway and backing out into the street, clearly is blind spot and all kinds of things going on, but isn't stopping traffic and backing into your driveway when people tend to tailgate and get too close anyway, isn't that equally as dangerous when you're stopping traffic?
4: You slow down a couple of houses ahead and you signal (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah. and you can even go so far as it, throw your arm out the window, too, and hand yeah. signal. And yeah. as it's slowing down, people will skirt around you, or they'll just stop for a minute and let Close you back it. in. That's providing so much you for I
1: really appreciate it, Ron. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like hope so. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it, bud. It's right, good insight there. Now, tinted windows is one thing that Ron said, and is part of his, which is important to note. My I have blacked out windows in the back of my SUV. So backing up is somewhat difficult. Now in today's world, you have backup cameras, proximity sensors, which one of my sensors just died. I've got to get that fixed because my backup ones don't work. So that's that's problematic. Um but I had a guy with this winter at Costco back into my car when I was waiting to pull into a stall at Costco. It was minus 35 too, and he had a pretty cheap car and he, his bumper like shattered like glass and mine was okay. So <laughs> it was like, Phew. but he backed into me. He was trying to back out of a stall to support Ron's point. Um You back in so you won't back into someone as you're trying to leave or for a quick getaway if you're robbing the place. <laughs> I love it. I back in so I can see people with their shopping carts. It's much easier to leave the stall. Denise. Thanks, Denise. I think the pedestrian thing a very good point, too. In Hamilton, we have Mary. Hi, Mary. Hey, Shane. How's it going? Good, thank you. Why do you back into the stall?
5: Why? Well, it is safer to pull out because you can see the foot traffic.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: First
0: and foremost. And it's easier to pull out. Mm-hmm. Okay, me, do, you have tinted, do you have tinted windows? No, there's no tinted windows, and I am not a okay. driver. I am a passenger. Okay. So, as a <laughs> so passenger, it's very easy for you to I back have, in.
5: <laughs> as a passenger, I have seen multiple times the driver pulling out backwards, having to stop quickly because they haven't seen the people behind her, like that blind spot, right?
1: Yeah. So Let me ask you this question. Get, what's that? Is that a driver problem or a pedestrian problem?
0: Hmm. He's my ex husband now.
1: <laughs> I feel like there's a I'm going to run him over kind of
4: uh, thing of coming. Here.
0: <laughs> but then this sorry. <laughs> he was a problem. No, I, no. Love it. I love it. You're evil. <laughs> said that to me <laughs> this is no different than what way yeah. should the
4: toilet paper roll go really come
1: on well statistically Whatever it actually you're is different with
4: as a driver
1: Ryan Ryan do. actually gave us some stats that uh, said that uh, he shared with us that there was more, we used more toilet paper. This is his conspiracy theory. He can put on his tinfoil hat all he wants. And I frankly agree with him that this, the research says that if you put your toilet paper over the top, you, we actually use more toilet paper. That's why they market it that way. That's why they print all the pretty pictures on the toilet paper that way. So that is curious. Uh-huh. Um, but wow. whatever you're most comfortable with, the question is, is what is better? <laughs> is it better stopping traffic to back in? Because some people are no good at it. Or is it better to stop traffic backing out? That's the question. Stop tough. Fun. And do
0: you hear a tree fall in the forest?
1: Right. <laughs> it's very true. Mary, thanks so much for the conversation. I appreciate it. All right, Shane. Have a great one. Take care. You too. Mary's in Hamilton. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Don from Pembroke. Hey, Don. I am the worst backer-upper. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I drive a dually, and all the parking spots are way too small. Well, there is no denying that. Uh, I had a, not a dually, but I had a full-size pickup truck trying to parallel park downtown. Boy, oh, boy, you want to see difficult. That's tough. 877-399-9898. Pulling into spots. This is a conversation that happened over the weekend at Shiftheads.ca and our Facebook group. There are a ton of people that asked uh, answered this question. People who back into parking spots think they're better than everyone else. True or false? The amount of people, by the way, that said, that's because we are better. <laughs> it was fantastic. I love it. I love how people owned it. And by the way, the amount of you that are so nefarious and you're thinking that, like, just in case I got to get away quickly, like the getaway people, the bank robbers, there's an awful lot of bank potential bank robbers who are casing the joint, just so you know. 877-399-9898. Another point. If your car won't start and you need a boost or tow, are you facing the direction for easy access to the hood or tow hookup? It's a good point. It's a very valid point. Yeah,
3: it's a good point. I had a, my old Sunfire when the alternator was starting to crap out. Needed a boost a lot of times, and yeah, I ran into that problem where I was parked up against uh con- brick wall and cars on both sides.
1: It became very difficult to boost. Well, here's what. Let me throw this one at you. Because when you worked on car lots, I'm sure that you had to boost the odd automobile when you were Mm -hmm. working for Volkswagen and driving your Volvo. no other way. Flip that. So um, batteries in a lot of cars today aren't located in the hood. This is true. Mercedes, for example, are located in the trunk in a lot of cases, depending on the car. BMWs sometimes in the trunk. Uh, Boost posts in, in, like, if you need a boost in the hood... Or the battery in the back. But I had my Prius, you know where the battery was in my Prius? Under the back seat. Oh. Why? The battery packs for like the, the hybrid part was under the trunk. But the battery was that started the car was the turn on the computer and stuff was under the, the seat. And my buddy Darren, I think his Cherokee had the, the the battery under a Porsche Cayenne and a Jeep Grand Cherokee, I believe is under the used to be in some models under the passenger seat. Why, why did they not just standardize all of this? I don't know, but some of them have boost points like where you can plug into in the front and the back. So, I mean, that works, but still valid. Which way do you park back in or not? Don't tint your, when don't, don't your tinted windows roll down, John, uh, not the back window and the back quarter windows don't Shane, Yes. You kind of hit on it about parking it's all about trunk access it's simple if you're going to be loading your trunk up at costco you're not going to back into a stall rarely ever back into a spot i'm almost always picking things up be it a car or a truck thanks chris in winnipeg you can't fit a shopping cart if you're backing in you're going to carry your groceries front to back
3: also if you're doing corporate dj gigs and you're bringing the pa See? Yeah, can't, can't unload over. and
1: load it. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> last summer, I was at the sports store in Stettler, Alberta. A guy that was casing the joint about a week prior, he was wanted by police. He backed into a stall with a stolen truck. Ooh, hide the license plate. That's another one. Parking tickets. Some provinces, you don't need a plate in the front. You only need a plate in the back. And so that's a great way to hide. There's in fact, I think there was some parking stuff in Calgary where they would tell you um, that you weren't allowed to p- back in because their automated system couldn't read your license plate. That was pretty sneaky. Um, this guy was casing the joint, round of the store, cops coming in. He drove off like a bat out of hell. He backed in for a reason. Police do it. And apparently criminals do too. Interesting. I always back in unless I need to load the back of my van at Costco. An insurance broker told me that she always backs into parking because parking lot accidents are 50-50, regardless who is at fault. Uh, one time I got hit in a parking lot. It was not 50-50. I got dinged with pulling out of a spot on safely, which, by the way, I was backed into. I pulled out forward. Guy was going too fast. It was slippery. He crashed into me. And um, backing in is an easy way to reduce accidents. Why not? ever found that it stops traffic for more than a few seconds because my first vehicle wouldn't go into reverse when the transmission was cold, so I backed up every single spot I could so I could leave on startup. <laughs> Mechanical failure. What a great reason um, to back into your stall. What do you do? Do you back in? Do you drive in? Also, they have booster packs now. You don't have to boost from another vehicle. In today's world, do you really want to boost from all these electric electronics in the vehicles? uh quick getaway if you're a bank robber 8773999898 um there's an awful lot more here that I can't get to um anyway uh there's more if you back into your spot why do you do it? I want to know I want to know why do you back into the stall I'm terrified that I'm going to you know give the little boom dent into another car but if you got a backup camera and all the things maybe it's a fit. <laughs> This is The Shift Podcast. The war in Ukraine has been um, very active over the weekend, this weekend. Uh, The relentlessness of Russia shooting rockets into places where rockets don't belong. I say that um, temporarily ignoring the fact that they shouldn't be there in the first place. So there's been an awful lot that's been happening, and the best way to get this insight is to hear it from the mouth of a Ukrainian. Mikhail Zernikov is a uh, former, well, still technically a lawyer. I guess you're not a former lawyer. You are still educated. So that's a fair one. Right, yes. You were formerly employed as a judge, and now you work uh, in advocacy work. and. In, uh, trying to change the old world of Ukraine into a world that, uh, is, uh, envisioned, uh, included in the vision of, of so many Ukrainians that, that's there. Now, Mikhailo, this is going to be, I'm inviting you to be, uh, very direct with me today because Canada has done some things that, uh, frankly, I think stink. Uh, but we need to talk about the view o- on Canada in a minute let's leave that for now and uh let's start with the what's going on and let me first start with how are you are you okay
5: thank you uh thank you shane i'm i'm all right and uh yeah alive and that's that's already not little considering the circumstances because you're right uh the rockets uh the missiles hit the you know a lot of populated areas and uh, again with the areas that are not military targets and that's that's another um, that's another um, sign that uh, russia is it's not that we need many more it just uh, just tells once and once again that russia is using uh, this uh, terrorist tactic just to uh, scare people just to uh, to make a surrender which of course will never happen but uh nevertheless people die and that's that's horrible
1: yeah and it's and it's quite terrible too um those rockets hitting all kinds of different uh, all kinds of different places um those rockets landing uh, i believe it was and please correct me here because i am just quoting uh news but the um and also from memory there was um rockets that landed close to a school again i think there was a university there's uh, very few people there because of summertime uh those kinds of things i mean these are uh, obviously you know uh, terrorizing for ukrainians
5: Yes, and then th- th- there was a hit uh, on, on a very populated area in Vinita, which, which, I mean, it's a central square pretty much, and uh, there was a clinic that was completely destroyed, and everybody who was there, or almost everybody who was there, died. So 24 people died uh, as of now, if I'm not mistaken, if if, if the toll is not uh, higher by now. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's hitting the infrastructure that is, Critical and necessary, but it's not military infrastructure. So basically, trying to undermine our development, but things like universities and clinics and such. But also, it's hitting very populated areas just to kill as many people as possible in order to, uh, say, uh, again, to to inspire terror and uh, uh, yeah, and, and make a surrender.
1: Here in Canada,
5: that's what Russia that's what doing now. That's 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 what it is right now.
1: Yeah, that seems to be the MO, right? I mean, that's what they've always done. And, and even with uh, the countries Absolutely. surrounding Ukraine, they've been, you know, the threats have been there for that. Uh, here in Canada, Mikhailo, a little over a week ago, one of our mobility providers, one of the largest ones in the country, we have really three. Big ones that, that service, uh, Canada with mm-hmm. cell phones and in some portions of Canada, the internet. Now they, they claim and, and there's no reason to not believe them that they had a software failure. Facebook went down a bunch of months ago. Uh, they claim in a similar fashion. So they had a technology update failure and the internet went out. Over you know a large portion of central and eastern Canada, and cell phones went out all across the country for more than a day. Now for us, it was only more yeah. than a day, but it made me think of you, right? It made me think of what you're going through in Ukraine, and I, I have never really asked. You know, we've always communicated with you on your your cell phone and and sometimes on the internet and you know, these, these key things have really become more and more important over time. And I go back in history to the old days of the postal systems and how important they were so long ago. And I think I'm starting to finally understand how communication truly is the key. Have you guys been seeing, and we only went through it for a day. It was devastating. Have you been seeing, um, have you been able to have you been seeing some outages is that has that been targeted or has that been really solid so far in ukraine for you
5: well, luckily it has been solid right uh it and it's not that it's not been targeted it's there were some hits on on, on that in- infrastructure as well but our uh, providers proved to be somehow very resilient and very you know i read it also on the news that uh, actually they uh, even the competitors they they cooperate a lot so they fight each other with equipment if something fails and so on because everybody understands i mean operators at least everybody understands that you know the, the necessity the 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 importance of of uh, people staying connected and uh, both for for the you know in terms of uh, direct uh, um influence on on the you know the capability of of the army to defend itself and so on, and the critical infrastructure, but also for the people to communicate with each other, just normal citizens. And I think that's uh, that's beautiful because, uh, quite honestly, I was myself preparing for much worse uh, things, and 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 so were the other Ukrainians. Because, you know, we I I thought what what if you know what if uh, heating fails? What if the electric? What if we have no no electricity? Of course, there's there's towns and there's uh, Smaller uh, settlements in the, uh, near the nearer to the front line, when when the, there is uh, where there is uh, uh, not as not as much, you, you, you know, you can't you can't you can't fix things as as fast as as you, you know you can you can do it in other places. But mostly for for most of the uh, territory, it's it's still working and it's uh, it's somewhere close to the miracle because it's it's really you know it's it's, it's really. Um, Uh, Yeah, it's heartwarming And it's um, uh, To see how You know, how everybody Is united And how everybody uh, Tries to keep Does their best To to keep uh, The infrastructure going
1: It is inspiring By the way The unity that That we've seen Uh, That you share for. I mean, in fact, the things you speak of about different telecom companies helping each other out to be able to make sure that if something does get blown up, in your case, you know, here's you can borrow our infrastructure in that area to make sure people can call emergency services and and call loved ones and all those things. In Canada, they're proposing that now because of what Mm. has happened so the lessons are learned and at least uh you know i i hope that we in canada can have the same kind of unity that you're speaking of in ukraine now um we're speaking with well i hope hope for
5: not for not the same reasons at least
1: well yeah isn't that well selfishly and i realize i don't want to sound cold and callous on it but i hope so i hope i never have to go through what you're going through
5: right absolutely absolutely not Uh,
1: you know, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm 100% certain that I could speak for you and say that I'm pretty sure Mikhailo would not wish this on anybody. So, um, Absolutely not. but unity is a thing and we haven't seen like, uh, unity fracture in Ukraine. We haven't seen that yet. There's been nothing, but there was a couple of changes inside government just recently over the course of the weekend. I think this weekend, right? I think the president in Ukraine fired the security chief and top prosecutor in Ukraine. Is this, is this a good? I, I, I don't need i don't know how to ask this is it good or bad surprising uh, expected how do ukrainians feel this is the first fracture i think that we've seen in in political unity in ukraine
5: well yes it's um it's a complicated issue to be honest because on one hand uh these um so yeah it it just happened uh last night so several hours ago um on one hand uh those were you know should have been fired for many reasons because of of what they did or didn't and because of how you know they they performed Uh, one could argue of course uh, um, on on different things but uh, definitely the performance could have been better on the other hand the people who are now uh, instead of them are 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 in charge are connected to say another person who is the who is in the office of the president who is not um, uh, to say the least he's not better than you, you know than the person that the, the, the people that that, that the president uh, dismissed so it's, yeah so it's it's kind of it's kind of um uh, but, but it seems more of a political game rather than uh um rather than true you know uh, um as of now at least rather rather than an attempt to, to really make things better, but I, I would like to be mistaken, and and we'll see how, how events unfold and how uh, other people will be appointed or will not be appointed. On that, a lot depends. Uh, also, you might we might have heard the recent scandal uh, with uh, uh, Congresswoman Sparks from the U.S. and she she said she voiced out that we have some people naming the same people in the in the office of the president who are. Uh, Who may be connected to the Russians and who impede uh, some of the um, some of the most important uh, reforms in Ukraine, such as uh, appointment of the uh, head of the specialized anti-corruption prosecution, that is now uh, a a number one, basically a number one thing that uh, the the Ukraine and other governments agree on, including the the one that the the Euro Commission, the historic decision of the Euro Commission to to give Ukraine. uh, EU candidacy, and then uh, there also the the, the appointment of, of this prosecutor, which is paramount of paramount importance to the fight against corruption, is uh, among top priorities um, as the condition to uh, you know to keep and uh, to, to to keep this status and to to continue with the EU integration. So all that. Um, Despite this scandal or the, this you know, news being circulated and uh, uh, really the necessity to, to check whether these people uh, have connections with Russia, because it seems some of their actions show that they might have. Uh, despite that, we are basically firing not those people, but firing other people instead of whom come other people who are connected to the sad persons so it's it's a little bit messy and and we'll have to see how things unfold uh... hopefully it will uh... it will of course be a change for the better but not the worst
1: so this is when when the war first started we saw an awful lot of you know people from different political stripes being able to you know come together and say today i'm not from political party a or political party b i'm we're all ukrainians right i mean that was sort of the rhetoric that we heard in the very yeah. beginning, but now we are starting to hear, I mean, you, uh, corruption inside the Ukrainian government has been an ongoing conversation. I don't mean it as a slight against your country. I, sure. I just mean that the one of the reasons that was given of why that Ukraine wasn't ready yet for the EU, wasn't ready yet for NATO and all those things was obviously compliance with the military and just systems. And the other part was that they needed to be massive investment in order to, to plug in the things. And then the other part was that the, the political system was still had too much old school Russian corruption that was infecting it. And it must be hard when you're trying to create the new version of Ukraine. It must be incredibly difficult to cut through these people that could be, it's kind of like a Trojan horse, right? These people that are sitting waiting and playing nice today, but they might have alternative yeah. agendas. I mean, that's got to be hard for the, the people of Ukraine to trust it. It's got to be hard for the uh, political and, um, you know, the, uh, the legal work inside ukraine and then also i mean it seems to be starting to fracture countries outside ukraine saying well where's all the money going anyway is it going to the right places that that's problematic in the big picture of these things
5: it is it, it is complicated to say the least um but uh there's there's this there's also this um, say wave that was recently, uh, which is nothing else but Russian propaganda. To, to just, just to uh, clarify that uh, Ukraine is mis- or might be misusing or smuggling weapons that we we're, we're receiving. Of course, that's that's uh, that's a bunch of nonsense, uh, because there you know Pentagon uh, declared that we are actually using them properly. If you look at the front lines, look at also all the news at the. You know the last month at least uh, I think we destroyed about fifty with the new system with the, the high Mars and with the with the others long range missile systems we or longer range let's say uh, we successfully destroyed about fifty uh, top objects uh, on the occupied territories of ukraine that belong to, to the russians uh, you know the, the arms uh depots, the the common centers all the other things so that means that the arms are are here and they're they're effectively and they're actually changing what is happening on the battlefield quite a bit uh, and that that that's what i 'm receiving not only from the official statements but also from the people who are on the front line who I know personally so that's so that's a good one but again, the official statements of the people from pentagon and, and other uh, you know uh, respectful organizations that represent the countries that provide us um Military aid. They who who have actually sent uh, missions to control what is happening. They they're all saying it's all right. It's in the place and it's going. It's doing a good job. So that is uh, luckily, unfortunately, is there is nothing. Uh, there that shows that we are misusing or, or can't be trusted. On the other hand, of course, there are some, you know, you, you can't say, oh, the war started now, now we're fighting for the good cause, hence there's no corruption, no, it doesn't work this way. Of course, there's still people, and you're absolutely right, there's still people who are kind of trying to lay under the radar and uh, show that they are now all, all pro-Ukrainian, and even those who are, who had pro-Russian sentiments um, or, or were that's basically pro-russian saying now oh now i understood what is happening now i'm very pro ukrainian and doing but if they're doing what they're doing is it if they're doing what they need to do uh let them be for a little while because i understand as much as i am passionate about renewing uh the country and you know the, the state bodies and everything uh it is very hard it is extremely hard to uh do both at the same time effectively fight the war to ha- and, and have you know people in place who have managerial skills and who can provide. Um, on the other hand, to uh, cleanse massively everybody out of this, so the, the two kind of contradict. So that is why we also have to find the right balance, not to impede reforms to achieve as much as possible. Because to make reforms and to clear to, to clear country of corruption, this is the way to win. This is not this is not something that happens after we win. This is this is what hap- what is necessary to win. Uh Yeah, but on the other hand, we have to also kind of have some stability in sight. And by the way, uh, I I forgot to mention the the problematic SAP appointment. The president publicly said that uh, that's going to happen quite soon. So that is just recently when he fired uh, the two top people. So uh, that's a a piece of good news when it comes to reforms.
1: Well, And uh, allow me to provide and punctuate that with the distinction that all governments around the world have corruption in some fashion. So it's not like this is an isolated Ukraine thing. Let's provide that perspective grounding grounding as well. Okay, so here's the hard stuff. I need you to be hard on me, uh, Mikhailo. We've got about 3 minutes left here. Um Canada has agreed to send the turbines back, which is the uh the way this right. works. Here's the quick Coles notes. It's a Russian-owned pipeline, but you uh but Germany needs the turbines to pump uh natural gas and oil into Germany for the winter time. Canada had the turbines for maintenance. Uh Canada has agreed to send them back. It's against the sanctions to do that, but they said for whatever reason that they're going to do that, which obviously Ukraine, it's a money cycle between Germany back to Russia which affects Ukraine. How do Ukrainians talk about Canada in this conversation?
5: Well, if that's first of all, it will not be hard on you personally. I know you didn't you, you didn't do anything to, uh, at least from what I know, to um, help this decision <laughs> well, that. Uh, take place. So yeah, um, um, no hard feelings. Uh, also, I, I mean, if it, if it's the first time we, we're speaking about Canada doing something that was kind of against Ukrainian interest, then. You know, I think we're still in a good place. I, I don't think uh, you know uh, Canada is to blame for for things, and we're still grateful for all, all the all the help you guys are providing you do. And so, uh, yes, it is problematic. On the other hand, the um, uh, the turbine issue because because of two reasons, or because of one, one reason actually. You can't, you can't reason with Russia. You can't really. They have this stag mentality. Uh, if you look at the people who are in charge, or one person actually who is in charge, and and the the rest, it's 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 not very different from because the, their political system, uh, whatever it is, they, they it produced the leaders of Russia or the leader of Russia, and that's uh, that's not far from from how the average Russian uh, thinks and does. Uh, they have this stag mentality where they see every attempt at negotiation as weakness and every ceding of anything territory. You know parts of sanctions whatever as as an invitation to do even more and to you know to to exaggerate to attack to to try and grab even more interest territory whatever that is so um we of course we all ukrainians or or at least the vast majority think that it's a it's a um, wrong policy to make exceptions and of course the the faster we all the, the whole world comes Away from uh, dependence on Russian oil and gas. And the faster we stop this business with Russia, that there's literally uh, still a flowing billions every day to Russians' economy that then converts to rockets that kill Ukrainians and other nations. That's, uh, the, you know, the, the faster we make, make this decision, whatever it takes, the better.
1: Well, the, uh, the opinion, it seems to me, from what I've heard, and this is just an anecdote of conversation, it's not statistically accurate, but I would be mm-hmm. willing to bet money that this is not the only person... Uh, in Canada who believe this. So It's a text message that we received during this conversation from a man named John. And John says, send oil and gas, help Europe get off Russian oil and gas, don't send turbines, and help Russia bomb medical clinics. And I think that sentiment is very clear among Canadians. I think Canadians yeah. are a little bit confused. Canadians don't want to see Germans freeze by any means. Uh That's for sure. sure. But um in Canada, we have such a political conversation of Uh, With the climate conversation, business and industry is so handcuffed in energy now in Canada with the banking system, investment has dropped off. Canada has enough natural gas to supply the whole world for decades and decades, if not hundreds of years. And yet, we don't do that. And Canadians, it started a conversation in Canada that Canada needs to get involved because Canada could provide enough natural gas and oil to be able to fix this problem but the canadian government also won't do that and so there's an extra layer of the turbines i think that canadians see and it's frustrating for all of us and uh, i just personally Mikhailo, uh, i i think that sucks and i'm sorry that that's the way it's happening and we as canadians need to do better to hold our government into account because those are the true decisions that are impacting your country and i thank you very much for being here brother
5: Thank you, Shane. Thank you very much. Please do that. And, and happy to talk to you as always.
1: This is The Shift Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to The Shift. The article from The National Post says Russian cyber threat to Canada worse than previously reported. C-S-E. Well, first thing to study is what the heck is C-S-E? um uh it is communication security establishment headquarters (laughs) it's not even a cool name. like they've they've got cool names for other countries can't we have like a like like the mi6 can't we have like the cs6 or something like can't we just make up a we got to make this cooler but in all things this is where i'm about to call hank a nerd In all things internet it kind of seems like maybe it's an agency that was named by a white hat hacker (laughs) <laughs> the, the lack of playful creativity in the name, education Security Establishment Canada. It's a bit of a burn on you, Hank. Sorry, buddy, but uh, thanks for being here.
6: Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure.
1: Hank the Hacker, Hank Fordham, is a white hat hacker. What that means basically is Hank is like a locksmith. Hank helps you fix your locks and tests your locks uh, digitally versus, you know, someone who breaks and enters, could a locksmith break in and break locks? Of course, they know how to break locks. But that's not what they do. They help protect people by testing how good the locks are. Is that a fair summary, Hank?
6: I, you know, I, I think that is. And I, yeah, I like to think that I'm on the white hat side of things. And like you said, we've got white hat, black hat and sweet little spot in the middle the gray hat. But uh, yeah, I like to think of myself as like the, the digital locksmith, if you will.
1: Canada has Canada has some really great security people and programming people. There was a friend of mine who uh, was working in that world, got securities uh, qualifications and moved into those sort of government securities things. And this was 15 years ago, almost. So that whole world was unfolding long, long ago, but Russia Russia seems to have an entire army uh, that is sort of in trying to inflict warfare on other countries. I do equate it to the numbers that we saw in troops, Hank. There was 200,000 troops, roughly Russian troops, on the border of Ukraine before they entered. Canada only has 60,000 total. So I kind of feel like our military and uh, the cyber threat battles seem to be similar, or maybe it's just more secretive and we don't know. How bad is this stuff getting internationally
4: from Russia?
6: You know, the, the the point you make about numbers is a really good one, because I immediately I think of, um, you know, I think of things like that, the Canadian that was admitting to hacking sprees with Russian cyber gangs. And he used to be he actually used to be, um, you know, he used to be employed with something like the CSE or, or CSIS and he ended up moving to Russia and now he's, he's supporting them with, with cybercrime. And I, 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 and that's something that I saw when that Conti gang, there was, there was a a Conti ransomware group that got, um, they got compromised uh, a few months ago. And that was one of the biggest things that a lot of security researchers noticed is they're relying on North American talent. And, you know, it's, it's odd that, uh, we, we have all this North American talent going over there and their numbers are growing so much higher, but we're not really focusing on building the same level of cyber armies or even, you, you know, armies in general that that some of these other superpowers are.
1: The establishment is tough to battle, though, Hank, like uh, you and I have said it in our private conversations. It is a lot easier to make more money being the bad guy. You can do it faster. You can make as much as you want. I put it the same way on singers you know, a lot of singers go out and they try to create their own brand of music and write their own kind of songs, but they're playing in tea houses and rotten old dive bars trying to make ends meet, while you got someone who just jumps on the trends and plays their little cookie-cutter pop song and can make a, make a go of it. So, you know, we see this again and again with the establishment. you got all kinds of people that get tired of fighting against the machine, even in the media. There's lots of media people that reported on politics for years and years and years, and then they finally decided to get their payday and they got into politics you know this must be a common thing to finally give up fighting for the good guys and say screw it i'm gonna go get my own
6: you know i think that you're not wrong and part of that might even be because if you look at if you look at the employment gap in cybersecurity right now in north america we're always hearing about these massive numbers of people uh You know, these massive, like, gaps in employment, and I I think when I first entered cybersecurity a few years ago, I I saw a poster, and it said there was 9,000 jobs that haven't been filled in Canada alone for cybersecurity, and at the time, I was like, you guys might want to add another zero to that, (laughs) because... there's so many unfilled positions and, but when you go and you try and fill these positions or you, anyone tries and goes to apply for a cybersecurity position, they they're met with, Oh, you, you know, we're looking for entry level, but you need five years of experience. Right. And so you, you end up with this, this interesting, like I'm going to say phenomena where there's such a hunger for, uh, for talent and that talent in some cases ends up kind of being let down or or being chased into other other areas. And while that's not the whole picture, I think that's definitely a a big contributor to why, you know, why we're seeing the good guys kind of think, think like that, like, oh, it's much easier for me to um, be successful or to make money if I'm one of the bad guys. But um, that that's another reason I was so excited for Bill C-26 is maybe we're going to have a little bit less of that and less of these security researchers that are kind of going over the, to the dark side, if you will.
1: So, that I mean, that's got to be tough. It's not like people can say, I've got five years of experience stealing people's Spotify accounts, right? It's not like a lot yeah. of those resumes are even that appropriate in some ways. But how does it work inside these security companies? Because it sounds to me like not only do you have to have these massive firewalls and protection hardware and software protection systems, but you still have to keep a, a stinky eye overlooking all the good guys making sure they're not, you know, the Trojan horse that's, you know, penetrated the building and, and they're in disguise. I mean, you, I feel like nobody trusts anybody.
6: That, that was one of the things when I was working in cybersecurity is, and, and still one of the big things in working in cybersecurity is that you want to like, when, when I first entered this scene, I saw people selling fear. I, I saw people selling the idea that, you know, Pearl Harbor's a, an hour away or a couple hours away, but the reality is you want to sell the sense of safety and with that becomes, or, or comes accountability in your team. So, um, when you know, I know for for my experience, I, I can't speak on on every cybersecurity company, but when I do an audit, it's all monitored through not only me but someone else. So I I, th- I think that transparency within these companies is massive, but that's another reason so many people are after certification. They might not be as comfortable with the story of oh, you know, I, I grew up hacking or I grew up. On, like and my parents were really into getting the on computers. Where where it might have worked for me, it might not work as well now because there's that sense of uncomfort. You know, there's still that stigma behind the word hacker. That when they hear oh, there's a hacker in the room, I don't even want to take my phone and put it on the table. I've gone mm-hmm. into meeting rooms and had everyone take their phones and, and take them off the table, put them in their pockets. And it's because because you're Hank the hacker. It's because of that stigma, you know, and, and I can't blame them because in the same meeting I showed them a demo where a, a simple ring can hack a phone. So it's like, you know, it's a difficult question to answer because there's still that stigma and, um, and in some cases there might even be a lack of transparency behind what the testers are doing. And that's another, we see that in Bill C-26 where, you know, they, they have to make a disclosure but they don't necessarily have to say what they did in mitigations, and they don't have to make the disclosure public.
1: Well, yeah, private companies, too. That adds a whole extra layer, too, when you get into private companies. But it's, it is ironic to me to hear that you go from, by the way, we're going to protect freedom of speech on the Internet by having a totalitarian approach to our security and our company. Because that's wildly juxtaposed, right? It's totally opposite.
6: I couldn't help but feel the same way when I saw that. I was like, this is not the right way of doing it.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to get, you've got to protect yourself, right? So, I mean, it would appear that we all are in it for ourselves. Let's talk specifically about Russia's machine on Canada in that article. The cyber threat is going up. Why would Russia even bother going after? power grids or hospitals or court systems? Why would they bother when all they can? I mean, in this particular case, just to be clear, Rogers, they claim was not a hack. It was a, a software failure, similar to the one that Facebook went through. But um, why Why not? This is very telling to me. If you're the bad guy, go after the communications companies. That's why the, the original postal system was so important back in the day was because it was the number one way to communicate. So why not just take out the communication systems? And then forget about everything else because they have no internet now.
6: Well, and I, you know, I hate to speculate or anything, but like what better way to carry out a cyber attack than make it look like, Oh, this was just a software or hardware issue. We, we didn't actually get hacked. Nothing went wrong like that. It kind of reminds me of Stuxnet where they were going after those, um, the generators in the plant and they, they dropped a USB in the parking lot, but in this case, it, it it I don't know. It just blows my mind because uh, we're not like I, I think. While we're walk, while we're headed in the right direction towards things like you know disclosure and trying to make, beef up the country's cybersecurity posture, at at the same time, we're still seeing you know really, really critical infrastructure being presented as a low, what we call in the cybersecurity industry, a low hanging fruit. And by speculation, uh, I mean, Russia trying to make, you know, what if Russia was able to make some kind of compromise on Rogers and make it look like a software failure? And on top of that, there's, you know, there's this idea in the, in the hacker scene that, hospitals and medicare is completely off limits there's even been kind of like ideas thrown around rough talks and rough ideas thrown around among the community about like a hacker geneva convention like what is what is completely off limits especially in in terms of wartime um well we see that that though hank we see that
1: those um yeah, we see that though. They're still doing ransom. Some guys are still doing ransomware on, on private yeah. hospitals and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. that's clearly not working, much like we see war crimes still happening, even though there's a Geneva convention with it all. Uh, has it, have you seen it gone up? The activity gone up with everything going on? And also this question really is the important one to me we might not get hacked just to be clear the rogers rogers has claimed that that was a software failure we're not contesting yeah. that so that is only speculation of what if as an example uh, to any of the mobility providers not just rogers i want to be clear on that but the other part is is that who's to say that these hackers can't get into something and just you know plant something plant the seed trojan horse style or whatever they've got something in there but they don't execute on it for until they need it because now would be the time if there was a pending world war now would be the time to plant malware around the world and then execute on it when you need it would that not be what something hackers could do
6: you know I'm, I'm i really i'm really happy that you say that because it's actually you're right you you're dead right it it's an average of i i think it's 205 days before a company becomes aware that there was ever even a compromise and and generally speaking that compromise wasn't to, you know, siphon data or do some kind of an attack right there on the spot. It was to save it for later for when it really, really matters. And I wouldn't be surprised with just because of how much of a low hanging fruit some of the medical system is if they're already compromised or if they're not already compromised in, in some senses and they're just waiting until it, it, hits the hardest or they're they're laying low in the background and siphoning data which we've seen in the past we've actually seen that in the past and uh, i can speak from a little bit of experience when i say that within the last year i've definitely r- noticed that uh, healthcare employees have become more of a target for uh, advanced persistent threats and just hackers in general cyber criminals in general
1: this is the shift podcast are you okay with airports
2: yeah i'm uh yeah i'm actually really excited to go back to one i've got a couple of flights planned for later in the year and i haven't been to an airport since about this time last year and uh aside from the you know temporary chaos in the uh, airports, I think it's going to be a good time. I like the pre-flight excitement and, uh, I don't know, they just have a certain
3: energy about them. Am I right? That's fun. BK? Yeah. Like most of the airports I've been to, been to a lot of airports around the globe and uh, I'm going to be in two on Friday. Well, conceivably be in two. I'm definitely going to be in one. Hopefully I make it to the other one. yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see how that goes but yeah supposed
1: to be a safe assumption
3: supposed to be yeah well i'm traversing an international border heading from my homeland to my homeland and then from my homeland back to my homeland i have documentation that says it for both ways so
1: hopefully this is good this can get me in (laughs) and out hopefully it works you never really know uh i love airports man they're one of my favorite places in the world to go i've even gone as far as taking my notebook and going to the airport and just sitting down and looking at airplanes through the window, scribbling some notes, reading a book. I find it an incredibly peaceful place flying internationally though. If you're going on a vacation, it's always nice to get there a little early. And one of my favorite things is to fly from Calgary to Vancouver. When I go to Hawaii, go to Calgary, to Vancouver, and then get there early for the flight to Hawaii. Go to that international wing there because you get a little shoulder rub, a little shoulder rub place. There's Vancouver Canucks restaurant there. You get a little burger, have a beer, a little buzz on, on the plane, off you go. Nice. It's one of my favorites. One black cat decided it would rather chill at the Boston airport instead of being with its family because, you know, cats suck and dogs rule. The cat, named Rowdy, escaped from her kennel, after the family's flight from Germany arrived at Logan International Airport on June
3: 24th. A cat that got loose at Boston Logan's Airport, you hear about this? No. Three weeks ago, this cat was lost, now been found safe. Rowdy and her owners arrived on a flight (laughs) from Germany. (laughs) Turns out the cat went chasing after some birds and then disappeared. Bye. For three weeks, Rowdy was on the run despite some occasional sightings. But yesterday, she was finally caught. Airport workers say it is unclear whether Rowdy got tired are hungry. <laughs> Catch me if you can. Appears she finally gave up the chase. Her owners say they are overjoyed to have her back.
1: Are they really? It's a cat.
2: Well, no. I I think cat owners love their cats. I am certain they are overjoyed to have the cat back. I don't think the cat is overjoyed to be back with the family. It's a cat. It can do its own thing on its own. You know,
1: cats. That was from the today show, by the way. Uh, Jennifer Mihigan, a spokesperson for the Massachusetts Airport Authority, told WCVB TV. <laughs> a lot of letters. The way. capture came at a cl- after the, at the close of an extensive search. Well, I certainly really? hope it didn't come at the beginning of the search because that'd be a waste of time, but thank you. Searching for rowdy became a community effort with everyone from construction workers to airline staff constantly on the lookout, hoping to find a positive outcome. Megan said. Massport, not a typo, staff, set up a wild set up wildlife cameras around the terminal in areas she's been seen as well as safe release animal traps to catch her. Massport, Massachusetts Airport, also contacted by multiple animal organizations offering assistance to find the damn cat. Okay. (laughs) That's great. I'm glad you got your cat back. Yeah, I have two questions. Number one, they give them away for free at most places. I wouldn't worry Two, when they, how did it get out of the cage? Because at least in Canada, when you fly with a pet, those cages have to be ziplocked and you're not allowed to open them ever, not allowed to give them more water, not allowed to do anything, not allowed to take it out and walk it, not allowed. The only person who can take that animal out of that cage is the owner, and if they, and it has to go through security to do that. Do you know why? Hands up you if you don't want
2: to. Yeah, you don't want a wild animal just roaming around the airport.
1: I give you half points. Why would you not a wild an- want a wild animal rolling around the airport?
2: Uh, Two reasons. Sneak onto a plane and transmit diseases to
1: other parts of the world. Ooh, that's very nefarious, but that's not one of the reasons. Okay, no. What's the other reason, Shane? Uh, I don't know if you've ever um, imagined the suction power of an engine. Oh. (laughs) Oh, that reason. (laughs) (laughs) Hamburgers. You don't want it on the tarmac. (laughs) It's very expensive, actually, um, for when animals get ingested into jet engines. And the other part, is not only the tarmac, it's the runway. And if there's a dog on the runway or any wildlife on the runway, do you want to take a wild guess what they do? Cancel all the flights. They do. They cancel all the flights and they say here, kitty, kitty, kitty. No, they don't. They cancel the cat. <laughs> oh, Oh no. Oh. So that's why you, they, this yeah. this is actually a really really scary story to be honest because That's they can't crazy. you can't have animals like can some of those airports uh, my buddy uh, Jay even told me a story once he was flying a small small airline charter and it was a propeller plane and he hit a deer when he landed whoa the plane was out for a long time to get fixed
2: yeah no kidding
1: right so yeah cats and dogs are unfortunately they do not get uh, the benefit of the doubt. In that particular case. So very scary. Glad they got their cat back. Thank you for the text message that says cats rule. I, I don't agree, but we can. Um, we Oh, and it's a picture of your cat. Oh, that's nice. It's a very chubby cat. And his eyes glow in the dark. He looks evil. It's very cute. And that went from, oh,
2: cute to, hmm not very (laughs) quickly there i was like wow shane just called a cat cute i think we're making progress i was wondering there sorry
1: well he's cute he's cute and i could kill you kind of way anyway i'm a dog fan you can be a cat fan it's okay you're more than welcome to be wrong (laughs) dogs rule are you okay with that's one of my favorite competitive topics by the way cats versus dogs of all time it's classic. All time. Are you okay with
2: running? I uh, I did some running for the first time in many oh. moons this How'd past week. Oh, On no. Friday, I went to the gym for the first time in my entire life. I used to work out at home, but I've never been to a gym before. Ever. Really? No interest. No interest. I didn't feel like getting silently judged by some buff dude in the corner or anybody else, right? Like, I don't, that's not, I don't yeah. need that. So I went to a class, which was great except it was a very high intense class and mm-hmm. we started on the treadmill and i remember the coach telling me if you're sprinting if you're do, do it if you're running at this pace don't worry about your incline do the speed if you're power walking raise your incline not your speed that kind of thing right i did not remember that and i did both and i I was dying, (laughs) like you know, taste the blood in the mouth kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was that. But I burned a thousand calories, so who needs legs? They're fast. Uh, You know, my legs I could barely move them the next day, but it was fine.
1: Worth it. It was fine. It was fine. BK runs for fun on the weekends. Does I haven't ran
3: in a while. I should. I was considering starting again, considering I'm in peak running area now that that I live. But uh, yeah, it's been. And by a while, I mean like four weeks. That's a long time. (laughs) That's a hiatus. That's quite a hiatus for me. That might be the longest hiatus for me since like 2015. Um, Four weeks off. So we'll see. And I've only been running really short distances recently. I haven't had any races throughout COVID. Um, So yeah, I've only been running like
1: quick 5Ks. So. quick 5ks listen to yeah, this guy not like <laughs> quick 5ks previously Ooh. i
3: would run like you know just go out and run a brief 28k on the weekend it's very meditative when you get into those long distance runs and the whole meditative world. isn't the word i would use oh yeah it's
1: meditative What yeah. you went i you came compare. up the stairs twice in five minutes this weekend hmm?
3: once you get past once you have the breath capacity to run that far it becomes incredibly meditative once you get yeah, over that i can actually it takes I a think, while though. i think
2: Brendan's right i actually when i got in the groove on the treadmill and i know it's just a treadmill it's my first time but i did like you get in the groove and you kind of your brain just doesn't really think you just run and it's it, it is kind of nice. I'm excited to do that without the blood in the mouth and almost falling off the treadmill part in the near future when I get into shape.
1: It's it's, it's called the runner's high. Once you get over that, and the runner's high
3: kicks in. The endorphins oh,
2: kick nice, in. Man.
1: I have never in my life had the experience of a runner's high. You know what I've had the experience of? Runners. Oh my God! I'm gonna die. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah you you haven't done it. You haven't done it enough. You well, haven't trained your. How many times do you have to feel like you're gonna die before you get high? Like that's crazy notion. Well, you start when you start. You start by going very short distances,
3: and just to, even as long as you can even go, and then you just walk and you do a walk run rock, walk run thing. Uh, you got to work your way up. You can't just oh well, some people do. They just go like right into a ten k. I don't know how they do it, but uh, you, you don't want to do it that way.
1: Probably own cats. Anyway, <laughs> any chance to beat up on the cats, man? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, I've, I'm feeling inspired. I yeah. uh, if I go running this week, I will tell let you know. Sweet. All right. It is a hell of a workout. I used to love it. When I could do 5K, that was awesome. I really was actually for me. I really enjoyed 3K. And I know that's really short, but for me, that was a really nice run. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed 3K. I have problems with my hips and my cal- my calves, so they get pretty sore quick. My um, uh, favorite distance is the half marathon at 21.5. Favorite?
3: But yeah, actually, it is my, my 20, favorite distance. 21? Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love the half marathon. I want to do a full that's one, a but that's... Marathon. I would that's do a, a half marathon one. in a month. Yeah, just spread it out.
1: I, it's like your walk-run theory. I, I run, then I take a few days off, and then I run again. Half marathon. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, there is a way to burn even more calories when you're running. Uh, it's true. Several scientists say you can burn 100 calories every 10 minutes while running on all fours, like a bear or a dog or a cat getting out of its cage in an airport. And a man from Indiana claims he's gotten, uh, quote, insanely ripped. By running on all fours every day for the past 323 days.
0: There's no inspiration coming from any sort of animals. Uh, I'm not trying to imitate anything. In fact, the all fours practice was born about a year ago when Nathaniel's calisthenics practices, jujitsu and breakdancing started to wear on him. I was suffering from a lot of pain in my wrists and hands and shoulders and stuff. So he started doing daily planks and bear crawls, which naturally progressed into this. So I do about uh, a minimum of like 30 to 45 minutes a day. How has your body changed since starting the challenge? Uh, well, I mean, in obvious ways, the kinds of things that I've updated on my, my page. Abs and whatever all of these are. The areas that a lot of people don't see, it's just kind of harder to, to notice are the mobility gains that I've had. Um, how much, again, how much better my body feels. Nathaniel doing his all fours practice at the gym, even under the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. Are there areas where you're like, yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna do it here? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I'm not gonna do something that's like gross or uh, <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, I have, I have, I've definitely, I've found out that like, just putting your bare hands on the sidewalk, you're taking some risks there. Do people ever stop you and say like, what's happening right here? Uh, pretty much never. A lot of people kind of underestimate how little people care about what's going on around them. I
3: have so many more
1: questions. Yeah, I agree with that lady. Yeah. yeah. That, that's from ABC7. Uh, despite the good workout, it's not faster or any more efficient than running on two legs. We've evolved to move faster, more efficiently through bipedal motion. Our arms would have to be longer in order to run fast on all fours anybody want to talk about scrape knees scrape knees but
2: i definitely sometimes still run up the stairs on all fours and i know a lot of my friends do that too that's weird it's fun i don't know it's like a cat <laughs> <laughs> but maybe uh i suggest you'd watch this guy like go on TikTok his, his wrists his forearms are as ripped as my entire bicep is it's ridiculous like it's actually changed his body the way that the fact that he does this and yeah back in time yeah yeah, I mean, yeah he's literally yeah. doing the Neanderthal Uh, watch in like six months there's going to be a diet to go along with this the Neanderthal work, uh, fad
3: I have done quite well over the past year I've gotten you know, the vanity muscles going. It was great on the beach last week. It was fun. got the little ab thing going on down there. I, I didn't have to crawl around on all fours. I just <laughs> did it to the traditional way. Of it. Just, it seemed easier. Yeah, that'll do that it, eh? It seemed much easier.
1: Yeah, like this. I, I'm with BK here. That's weird. All right, okay. Um, weird, all right. Um, okay. Are you okay with... Peanuts. Yes, it's my son's nickname, actually.
2: Oh, it's a good nickname. I uh, I went most of it's my a life. Better nickname when you're six foot five. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like big, yeah. My mom's friend growing up is like six seven, and his nickname was Tiny. It's just it's excellent. Yeah, the but... coaches
1: loved it in hockey because they had to yell out to him on the ice, and like hey, they'd they like, like peanut. Hey, peanut, go get that guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> coaches that's like that. We uh, should start peanuts calling. Great yeah, problems. your brother was allergic. Hey,
2: for yeah, almost yeah, like. I basically didn't have peanut butter growing up at all and now as you know around 40 minutes ago every night that I've done the shift seriously I have had toast on peanut butter except I ran out of mm. peanut butter so I had cereal instead but it yeah, is good. the best it's just so good
3: uh, speaking of airports I always get the peanuts on the plane over the crackers I was mm. yes. like the peanuts
1: I don't do the peanuts anymore they don't do the peanuts they anymore, they don't I don't anymore. Do pretzels I do peanuts. Oh, that's pretzels and almonds <laughs> Salted almonds. I
3: was also saying we should give Ryan O'Donnell the nickname Stretch. Then, if we're gonna do the opposite thingy, because he's he's little.
1: Uh-huh. Still, he's calling
3: him tiny. Uh-huh. He's, he's little. Because he's little.
2: I would I would prefer Titan or uh Long.
3: Not I like Stretch. when
2: um
1: I like when you see like a tiny dog and they're like here Thor. <laughs> <laughs> it's just
2: barks like it's, it's a little Chihuahua. <laughs> it's got the terrifying like a little yep, yeah.
1: Anyway, we were talking about peanuts. A man in Colorado loves peanuts and his city, so he decided to celebrate them both at the same time. He created goggles with a spatula attached to them, sticking out from his nose like Pinocchio. Then he whacked the peanut up an entire mountain.
0: It does feel good when you finish it. Early Friday morning, Bob crossed the proverbial finish line, marking the end of a week-long journey. Thank you. We have a jewelry box for the peanut. All right. The peanut pusher, in good spirits, and his body also faring well. I'm surprisingly in really good shape. I don't, I don't feel sore or anything. It's just the dehydration sort of kicked my butt a little bit. And uh, I know I lost some weight. So I know I lost a lot of weight. <laughs> Bob's advice to the next person nutty enough for this push, don't do it alone. Have help. Bring lots of water. Um. Really, that's all they need. Looking for a peanut. <laughs> Here it is. Bob set the new record Friday for this out-of-the-box endeavor. Letters from the city of Manitou Springs and Colorado Springs to congratulate this local icon on his one-of-a-kind victory. Those are awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Now Bob is heading home and taking a well-deserved nap. Though he may have had his fill and never dream of a peanut again, his memories from the mountain will not soon be forgotten. The initials 2022 and PPPP, Pike's Peak Peanut Bush.
1: What has happened to the show? <laughs> you were doing
2: so good. I know. <laughs> he literally wrote PPPP on the peanut. It's on there in a little jewelry box. Yeah.
1: I'm surprised that the advice he says is like, bring water and have help. I I really would think it would be bring a lunch so you don't get hungry and halfway up, eat the peanut.
2: As, but, yeah, as you whack a peanut up a mountain with your nose.
1: Now, one of the things that I take away from that story when he says that he got the new record, which implies there was a record. This is even more weird. That report was from Sky News. Bob Salem did the peanut push to celebrate the city of Manitou Springs' 150th birthday and is the first person in the 20th century to complete the push. He's the third person to try it. By the way, the mountain is 14,115 feet tall. It's very tall. I found a picture of him. Yeah. Um, And uh, I'm going to put that link up at shiftheads.ca so you can check it out. But does it have because... the, picture of,
2: like, the goggles, like the spatula whacker thing?
1: Don't talk about your spatula whacker at work. <laughs>
2: I didn't go there. You did.
1: Um, yeah, it's the uh the picture includes him on all fours with like a, a headlight and a spatula, like a spoon. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the one. That's the guy, eh? That's the guy. Unbelievable. Guy. Well, good for you. Congratulations, man in Colorado. Very good. Very good.